you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me to First um, Peter. First Peter, um, chapter five. I want to begin there. I want to just start out. I just want to read one verse to you tonight, or this morning. I mean, and begin there, and then we'll uh, we'll go to the Lord together in prayer one more time. First Peter, chapter five. Verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning. Thanking you for the many blessings and thanking you for this opportunity to gather here and to worship you together, to lift our voices in praise to you together, to fellowship together, uh, to, uh, to share our burdens, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this time that we come to in our service, the preaching of your word. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, in this part of the service, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. God, that you would just stir our hearts God, that you would convict us of where we fall short. Lord, that you would just... Um, Lord, open our understanding this morning. Help us to have ears to hear what you would say by your Spirit to us this morning. And hearts receptive to receive your word. God, the need is great. Lord, there is people that are lost and dying and going to hell every second and Lord maybe there's even some here under the sound of my voice this morning that's lost God let today be the day that they would repent and get right with you before it's everlasting too late and for the rest of us those that are already saved God help us to get a burden to take your gospel, your good news to those that are dying and going to a devil's hell. Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would, Lord, that we would get a burden, we'd get an urgency, we'd get a concern. God, that we'd wake up and see what is happening. So, Lord, I'm just asking, have your way and your will in our midst here this morning. Move in a mighty way. God, anoint me from on high. Lord, uh, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak here this morning. Help me to preach, Lord, from my heart, my soul to theirs, Lord God. Help me to be the messenger you've called me to be, and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst, God, and we'll give you the glory because we love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name, and we ask it all here this morning in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Every so often, every little bit, I feel like I need to, not I feel like I need to, I know that I need to, as part of my job as pastor, to remind you that we have an adversary. To remind you that there is the enemy of our soul who desires to sift us as wheat just as he desired to sift Peter as wheat, who desires to take us down. And so anyways, I wanted to bring to you a, what's probably a familiar scripture to you. If not, 
mark it, underline it in your Bible, highlight it, whatever it is that you do, commit it to memory, write it in your notes, whatever, uh, whatever you need to do. But I want you to be familiar with this. This is an important scripture. It gives us a clear warning. Be sober, be vigilant. And then it tells us why. Why we need to be sober and we need to be vigilant, right? It doesn't say be sober, be vigilant because you might get run over with a car. It doesn't say be sober, be vigilant because there's evil people out there in the world. It says be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, right? He gets really specific, right? Your adversary, the devil. And, and recognize this devil here, that's a lowercase d, right? I mean, it is talking about Satan, and I'm going to talk a lot about Satan. But you know he has legions and legions of, uh, uh, of demons, right? Uh, fallen angels who's, who's, who is, you know, following him, right? Those that do his bidding, right? Uh, uh, these devils and demons uh, that are out there about his work. And so anyways, it says, tells us to be sober, to be vigilant because we have an adversary, right? So it says, your adversary is the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. As a roaring lion. In this scripture, Satan is compared to a lion. Now it's only in one respect, right? Don't get it confused because we know that Christ is also, he is the, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But here, Satan is described uh, as a lion in respect to the violent. Um, is unsatiable the right word? Unsatisfiable is what I mean by that? Thirst for prey. Right? For victims. Right? It, 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 that he has that same thirst for victims, for prey, that a hungry lion has. That's why the comparison is made here. And he is shown in a certain manner here, right? Satan or the devil is depicted or described as walking around, searching for prey, just as a hungry lion would walk around searching for prey. And the interesting thing is that matches our description of Satan. Uh, we have a couple places in the scripture that gives us some pretty good insight to, uh, into just exactly what Satan is up to, right? His, the way that he does things, how he goes about it, uh, you know, his tactics uh, and things like that. And so anyways, if we look back, I love the and I know I, I come to it often, but there is, there is so much in the whole book of Job. But I always, I really like these first two chapters talking about Satan and talking about what is happening in the spiritual realm around us right now. Uh, Job chapters 1 and 2 gives us as much insight, if not more, than anywhere else in the scripture. And so anyways, if, we, if you look back at Job, of course Job is, is described as a man, he's a man from the land of Uz, right? He's perfect and upright. Uh, he, uh, the Bible uses the word excuse, evil. In other words, Job's a good guy. He's a good, godly man. He's a God-fearing man uh, who loves the Lord uh, and he tries his best to live for God. And so anyways, and he's recognized, he's pointed out that away. He's also a man, if I remember right, with ten children, right? Seven sons and three daughters, if I remember right. He also, he's got a lot of, uh, uh, he's a rich man, 
right? He, he, he's got a big farm. <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of livestock. He's got a lot of farmhands. He's got a lot. I, I mean, he's just got a lot going on and a lot going on for him. And it says that he is such a man. Now remember, this was before Christ, so they were offering sacrifices till then. That of a morning he would get up and he would offer sacrifices for his children just in case, by happen chance, that maybe accidentally they had sinned against God. And so that sets the scene for verse 6. This says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came. This is Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Can you imagine this? These spiritual beings, sons of God, has got to be talking about the angels, right? They come and they present themselves, right? They're, they're having a, I don't know, it's almost like they're having a meeting, right? They're, they're having a deacon's meeting, I don't know. But they're coming together, right? They're having a meeting, talk about things. And Satan shows up in the midst. That's not the picture that we normally have of Satan, is it? picture we normally have of Satan is he's in hell. picture that we normally have of Satan is we've got this, I don't know, this fellow in a red suit with horns and uh, tail and pitchfork and he's down there running hell and taking care of things in hell. That's the picture we got. Problem is, that's not the picture the scriptures give us. So here is a meeting in the spiritual realm of God, of God with the sons of God, spiritual beings, angels, I think, and Satan is there. First of all, as we go on and read this, nobody is shocked. Nobody is surprised. Nobody goes, whoa, where'd you come from? How'd you get out of hell? Because he wasn't there. I got news for you. You don't want to go to hell any more than you do or I do. So, he shows up in the midst. Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Okay. What you been up to, boy? That's what he said. Do you think God didn't know what Satan had been up to? Do you, th do you actually think that God thought, you know, I have no idea where you've been. I lost track of you for a while. No, God knew everything that he'd been up to. God knew exactly where he'd been and what he'd been doing. Listen to Satan's response. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Satan says, Oh, I've just been out walking around. Not been up to much at all. Just been out viewing the scenery and just looking at how pretty everything is and, you know, just enjoying life to the fullest. And God says, verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? God calls him out right there. Satan had been messing with Job. 
God knew what he'd been up to. That's why God so subtly says, really? Well, while you were out on your sightseeing tour, did you happen to see an old boy by the name of Job? He is a good man. He is a good godly man. And he, he feareth God and he excuseth, right? In other words, he doesn't want anything to do with anything evil, anything ungodly. And Satan immediately lashes back in verse 9, and Satan answered the Lord and said, Does, God, does Job fear God for naught? He says, does he do that for no reason whatsoever? And then if we go on, and I'm not going to go on and read the rest of it, but if we go on and we read the rest of the first chapter, we see that God has a hedge of protection around Job. And Satan accuses God of blessing everything that Job touches. Now, why did Satan react that way? How did Satan know that God had a hedge of protection, right? You've heard people talk about a hedge of protection. That's where it comes from. It's from Job chapters 1 and 2. Why? That God had a hedge of protection around him. Because Satan had been trying to mess with Job, and he'd been trying to get at Job, and he'd not been able to. There's the picture of Satan walking to and fro, not in hell, but on the earth trying to get at those that serve God. I'm not, I do not want you to raise your hand. But my hope and prayer, my heart's desire, is that every one of you are just like Job. You're somebody who fears God. You eschew evil, right? You, you, you want to avoid the very appearance of evil. And you serve God. You love God with every, every bit of you, and you serve God. You do your best to serve God. That's what I hope that if I ask that question that every single person sitting here this morning could honestly raise their hand and say, yes, that is, that is, that's my heart's desire, that's my intent, that's what I do. That's what I try to do to the best of my ability. My hope and prayer is everyone do that. And if that was the case, if that's not the case, this altar is open. You can come anytime. You can, you, you can fix that, all right? Now, I'm, I'll make a special altar call here in just a little bit for you. But if, you, but if I got my wish and everyone could say that and could do that, do you know what that means? That means Satan is trying to get at you just exactly like he was trying to get at Job. That's why I've come this morning, to make you aware, just in case you weren't aware, that you need to be sober and vigilant. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. As a roaring lion seeking whom may devour. I did a little bit of a word steal on that word devour. I always just thought, you know, devour, gobble, that's what I thought, and which that's right. But actually, if you do, if you, if you look into it and, and actually dig into it, what it is trying to convey by devour is literally like gulp down, swallow up, right? I mean, just like whole, one bite, you know, not like there's a struggle and I almost got away. No, devour you like boom, jump on you, 
swallowed whole devour you. So, we look at this and we see where Satan is at and we see what he's up to. And hopefully you realize, if you didn't already, that the usual picture of Satan is wrong. He's not in hell, he's walking among us. And we see what he's up to. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Do you realize that? I've heard so many uh, throughout my life, old buddies, family members, just people on TV and everywhere else, they almost act like you pick a side, right? You can either be on, the good, on God's side or on the devil's side. There's so many that's got the impression that they think that maybe Satan is out and, and that he's going to maybe try to do you some favors to try to win you to his side, right? There's ones that will think uh, that they can get the lust of their flesh uh, fulfilled by Satan uh, because he'll do some favors because he's trying to make some things happen because he's trying to recruit you to his army, to his team. That is the wrong picture. He's not even, he's not, he's not looking to do anybody favors. He's not even looking for any kind of new recruits. He's not trying to add anybody to his team. The only thing he's looking for is victims. The thief coming not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. It doesn't say the thief come to build as large of an army and a loyal following as he can. No, he didn't come for any of those. He come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's not looking to win anybody to his side. He's not looking to add you to his army. He's looking to destroy you because he hates you. Children of God, do you not realize you have an enemy that hates you in his desire, his intent, his only reason for existing is to devour you. Do you know why he hates you? He hates you because God loves you. That's why. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that Jesus gave his life so that you could be saved, so that you could be redeemed. So that you could, your relationship, right, could be set right with God. So you could be put back in the place that God originally intended for you to be. That's how much God loves you. And because God loves you so much, right, that's the greatest expression of love. How can there be more love than that? There can't be more love than that. That is the greatest expression of love. And because of that, uh, Satan's hatred is so intense. Because God's love is so intense. Now listen, he might manipulate you and he might use you for a while, but his intent is to destroy you. His intent is to destroy you. His intent, is, as the saying goes, is to leave you dead in a ditch somewhere. That's what his intent is. The thief steals the sheep in order to kill them. He doesn't steal the sheep in order to build his own herd. Don't you be lured in by the wiles of the devil and believe uh, his lies. Uh, he is not trying to, uh, he's not got a better pasture for you. I think that's something that he uses on so many people. He gives a, it presents the picture of if you'll come with me, I have a better pasture. I will lead you to. No, he is trying to lead you away from the shepherd so that he can kill you. thief steals the sheep in order to kill them. 
because he wants to destroy God's flock. That's the only thing he thinks about. That is his only desire, is to kill God's flock. So, when I was thinking about this and I was praying and trying to figure out what the Lord would have me to say to you this morning, in the scripture, I, there was a, a few things that come to mind that I believe Satan is specifically looking for. You see, Satan is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for potential prey. He's looking for victims, right? People to take down, to destroy, to kill. So there are certain ones that are easy picking, right? There are certain ones that's going to be tough. It's going to take a lot of energy on his part to try to take down and doesn't even know if he can successfully do it or not. There's others that are easy pickings. That's the one he's looking for. So I wanted to throw a few of them out to you here this morning, a few things that will make you easy picking. And I want you to do an honest self-evaluation here and answer to yourself the question, am I easy pickings? Am I easy pickings? Well, here's the first potential prey that the old devil is looking for. He's looking for the unsuspecting, right? Verse, five, or verse 8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant. He's looking for those who are not sober and not vigilant. He's looking for those who are, un, who are not suspicious, unsuspecting, right? So who are the unsuspecting? Well, they are those who do not even realize that there is a threat. Right? Who do not realize that there is even a threat. They are totally clueless when it comes to this deal. Right? They are those who are unconcerned. Their focus is somewhere else. Right? I, I mean, I wanted to give an example, and I, I feel like maybe it's a silly example. But think of a nation. And its neighboring nation is amassing all of its troops on the border. Right? All signs are pointing towards an invasion. And that nation doesn't even believe that there's a threat anywhere around them. They're not concerned. They're not looking. As a matter of fact, they're worried about, you know, something else, right? They're worried about some piece of legislation they're trying to get passed. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about infrastructure. They're worried about something else that might be a good thing on its own, but they are totally ignoring the threat that is amassing on their border that is getting ready to, as soon as it's ready, it's going to leap on them and it is going to devour them, right? That is a picture of the unsuspecting, the clueless, the unconcerned, right? Those that think that everything is just going to continue like it always has, like it always has been, right? That's like the, the country and the example I just give you to think that tomorrow's going to be just like yesterday and next year's going to be just like last year. Well, I got news for them. They've got an enemy, right, that's waiting for getting ready to pounce on them and things ain't going to be like they always were. They are those, bring it back to us now, that you know the sad truth is there is many 
that do not even believe the devil is real. I, I mean, you know, you sit here and think for a minute and you think, well, yeah, I lost people, most of them probably don't believe the devil is real. That's true, and I expect lost people to behave like lost people. Do you know in the church world, that there is a lot, I hate to put a number on it because I don't know what the numbers really are, but I'm afraid that it may be more than half. I'm afraid that it would be enough that it would scare us who do not even believe, right? If you just sat them down, had an honest conversation with them, they'd probably just confess it to you, that they believe maybe Satan represents all evil in the world, you know, that he is, you know, um, I'm, I'm losing the word I'm looking for here, but that, you know, he's a, like an allegory or whatever, that he, he's just a type of evil, that he's not actually, that there's not actually, we don't actually have an enemy like Satan, right? They don't believe that he is even real. And what's probably even sadder than that, right, we've already narrowed the group down to a small group in the population that would say that they believe that he's real. The vast majority of those, though, that still yet, right now I'm, now I'm talking about the group sitting in here this morning. The vast majority of them, us and people like us, that we might confess with our lips that we believe that the devil is real, but we don't act like it and we don't live like it. Can you imagine trying to fight a war and not even believing that you have an enemy or that the enemy is real? You know what's going on? You're going to lose, and you're going to lose in a bad way. Listen to me, the old devil's been up to the spiritual warfare thing. He's been up to it for a long time, since the Garden of Eden. And he was a pretty slick feller way back then. I'm telling you right now, he's got even better at it. Uh, now, he just keeps getting better and better at it. You have an adversary. You have, you better be sober, you better be vigilant, because you have an adversary that desires to pick you off and destroy you. I think one of the greatest tricks that the devil has done is to convince people that he does not even exist. If you're one of these people that does not believe that Satan is real or are unaware where Satan is and what he's up to, right? There's some people that believe that he's real, but they're so silly as to, they don't know the scripture well enough. They don't think that, you know, well, I've got an enemy, but I don't have to deal with him. I don't have to face him. He's in hell. He's running it like a bed and breakfast down there. No, he's not. He's walking to and fro looking for his opportunity to devour you. To destroy you. And if you're one of these people, you know what you are? You ain't nothing but a satin duck. He's got you on his list. And he's going to get you. Here's the next group that comes to mind. Think about it. Who's he looking to pick off from the hurt? Well, first of all, like I've already said, the ones that don't even know there's anything to be concerned about. Now, there's the ones that are stragglers. 
I think about Hebrews 10.25 where it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together uh, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The stragglers are those who don't stay with the flock. The flock of God, right? They, they're, they're living on the edge and they keep drifting farther away from the edge. God knew what he was talking about when he told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He said that's a problem as the manner of some is, right? So that is a problem that some have. And he warns us, don't you do it. Don't you be part of this group. And he says, as a matter of fact, as you see the day approaching, right? That's the coming of the Lord, right? That's the end. The very times that we believe with all of our heart that we're living in right now, as you see those times approaching, you need to be more vigilant than you ever ever was before. It's more important than it every way. It was always of utmost important, but if it's possible to be even more important, it's more important now than it ever was before. To press in, to, to, to stay in, to not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Satan has more ways to get you than he ever has before. You carry around a portal straight to him in your pocket all the time or in your wallet or your purse or wherever you keep your your phone out, but you carry around a portal to him, he has more access to you, better access to you than he has ever had before. And yet you keep drifting farther and farther away. You keep spending more and more time on the edges. How many times do I need to warn you to keep pressing in? How many times do I need to call you or text you or visit you and say, you're straying a little too far away. You're in dangerous territory. It's time for you to get back in church. Look, I look around right now and I can think of four or five on top of my head right now. I bet I could come up with more if I made a, sit down and made a list. But right now I can see four or five. That's not here, not because they're not going to church somewhere else. They're not going to church anywhere else. Oh, this is their church, and when they come to church, they come here, right? There's a couple of them I'm thinking of right now that have con me and Jennifer have contacted over and over, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll be there. Well, we've had this and that, but next Sunday or the next Sunday or the next Sunday, you know what they're doing? They're playing out there on the edge, and they're drifting farther and farther and farther away, and that's exactly what Satan wants. That's exactly what he's looking for because it makes them easy pickings. I heard a story one time, and there's this uh, about a, this pastor. Of course, this was in a you know I, I think of it as in a time where you rode a horse everywhere you went. But anyways, he he visited one of the members uh, that was not regularly attending church like they should. And that member greeted the pastor when he got there. Of course, it was wintertime and it was a cold day. And so he led the, the pastor into the living room and he offered him a seat right there by the fire, somewhere where he could get nice and warm and warm up because it was a cold day. And he had a nice warm fire going. And as they sat there and talked and they had a good visit and the pastor kept leading things back around, trying to encourage this man to be faithful in his church attendance, trying to explain to him why it was important and that he needed to be faithful. But the man was just, he was unmoved. He didn't care. He was unconcerned. No matter what the pastor said, it's like he could not get through to him. 
finally the pastor had a moment of inspiration and he took the old poker for the fire and he separated all the coals out in that fire where none were touching each other. Well, anybody that's had much experience with fires, you know what happened. It got cold real fast. Fire went out. The man finally got the message. He finally understood why the pastor cared enough on this cold day to go through all the trouble that he did to come to visit him, to warn him that he's one of them coals that's gotten off, out of way from the fire a little bit and he's in real danger. You see, Satan is always on the lookout for those who have separated themselves from the hurt because they're easy pickings. He's looking for the ones that have drifted off, right? Not having realized the danger that they're in by drifting away. He's looking for the ones that have gotten too far away from God's flock and too far from the shepherd and the ones who is in the one who the shepherd who is tending the flock, right? If you're not careful, you'll slowly wander off. And before you know it, the lion has you. Right? He's devoured you. He's gulped you. He swallowed you whole in an instant before you can even put up a fight. It's done. He got you. You know, you usually don't realize how far you've gotten away until it's too late. Sometimes you've even been warned. And maybe you've even been called back a few times. But this time, You've slipped too far away, and he's got you. And then one last thing in, in closing. One other group I thought of, he's looking for, right? He's looking for the unsuspecting. He, he's looking for the stragglers, and he's looking for the, the weak, the sick, the young. I put that all in the same category, whether they're, they're weak because they're sick or because they're young or, or whatever the case may be, malnutrition, Nourishment, he's looking for this group because they don't put up much of a fight. They're not physically able to put up much of a fight. They don't fight well. They don't have much strength. That makes them easy pickings. They are weak and they're sick because they lack nourishment, right? The spiritually young are weak as well because they are also in need of nourishment. Listen to me. The nourishment is only found in the word of God. That's why I preach and I emphasize so much. That's why I've made the steps that I have here in the last couple weeks to try to emphasize the word of God even more in our, in our, in our worship services. It is so important, right, to, that, we, that we, we find that nourishment we need right here in God's word. We will not find it anywhere else, right? We find it when we read the word of God. We find it when we study the word of God. We find it when we hear the word of God taught and preached. There is only one way by which we can grow strong. And it's right here. It's right here 
in the Word of God. I think about, I wasn't planning on reading this, but let me read it to you real quick. I think about what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, and this is an admonishment for many of us. Truthfully, uh, if uh, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says, For when the time... For when, excuse me, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. See, Paul, or the, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I think it was the Apostle Paul, but whoever it was that God used, right? God's the author. He is telling us that babies drink milk. Adults, those that are strong, eat meat. Right? That's the comparison he's using here. The admonishment is the first thing that he said when he said that, uh, and I'll put it in my own words, he said, when the time has come that you ought to be a teacher, you're in need of somebody to teach you. The very basics. You know what that makes you? That makes you part of this last group, the weak. When you ought to be strong, you are weak. I think about those, you might think, well, the young, that's not hardly fair for them. Well, look, we've got a job, a responsibility to protect the young and to nourish the young and to make sure that they grow up strong in the Lord as quickly as possible. But I worry about those who are young in the Lord spiritually a whole lot longer than what they ought to be. Those that just seem to never want to grow up and say spiritual babies all of their life. Those are the ones that are easy for the lion to take down and to drag off. Those are the ones that are easily deceived, easily tempted, easily led astray. So what I come to tell you, church, I come to tell you that it's high time. It is high time that you wake up. It's high time that you open your eyes. It's high time that you become aware of what is going on around you. It's high time that you no longer willingly continue to be ignorant of the truth. Now is not the time to venture off. Now is not the time to drift away. Now is the time to press in, right? To get into the Word deeper than you ever have before, right? Now is the time to be more faithful uh, to God and to His work than you ever have been before. Now is the time when so many churches are closing their doors for services. Now is the time when we ought to have them open more than we ever have before. Now is the time to come and take nourishment. Now is the time to grow and become strong in the Lord. And now is the time, for those of you that are, now is the time to help go out and go after those who are drifting too far away, who are in danger, to warn them, to do what you can to bring them back in. Would you stand with me? I want to open the altar and I want to give you a chance to come this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. 
the Holy Spirit of God's come along, tapped you on the shoulder this morning, right? He's burdened your heart with something. I want you to come and pray about it this morning. Maybe, maybe you're one of these I talked about earlier who is lost, who's not sure where you stand with God. Today is your opportunity. Do not miss this opportunity. Would you come before it's everlasting too late? Whatever it is, would you come? Would you come?